We're back, baby. Season two. Welcome to Sacred Intersections Podcast, where we navigate the twisty roads of harmful theology, mental health, and religious abuse. I'm Jill. I'm an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA with training in pastoral care and counseling. And I'm Paula. I'm a licensed counselor, a counseling professor, and a person of Christian faith. So as we're getting started, we just want to say that Sacred Intersections podcast is about respectful discussion and conversation to encourage you to think. We're not trying to make you think like us, just to make you think. That is our agenda. Neither one of us speaks on behalf of the Presbyterian Church USA or other organizations which we may be connected to in our professional lives, nor do we speak on behalf of all mental health care professionals and practitioners, people of faith, Jesus followers, white women, Americans, or people who really needed a summer break and kind of still do. Still do. And you didn't even get a real summer break, Jill. Yeah. It, 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 I'm still stuck somewhere back in May, mm. like waiting for that thing to happen. Yeah. I have a, a little green-eyed monster about my friends that went to the beach and got some beach time. But, well, you know, those of us in the academic world did get a little bit of a break with break around quotation marks but I'm sad for people like you that don't get an official summer break but whatever break we got was too short but not too short to come back to the podcast we are very excited to be back we're going to talk about that but we also just want to be sure you know that sacred intersections is a podcast that includes discussion and conversation around religion spirituality mental health and all the ways they intersect We were already having these kinds of conversations and decided to record them and share them with you. So we are just really glad you're along for the journey with us, even if you are traveling different roads or you're driving different vehicles than we are. So Jill, we are back from a break. It feels really good to be back together. And uh, just so you all know, dear roadies, at some point there will be a picture Because when Paula and I met this morning to begin recording our episodes after not having communicated with with one another at all, other than I'll see you at 11, we showed up wearing exactly the same thing. (laughs) The first day of Sacred Intersections podcast season two, and we're dressed like twins. I mean, I know... We, we know we're synced up, but I don't think we realized that we were quite on that level to, <laughs> to literally twins our clothes today. It is hilarious and funny. And yes, we will. You may have already seen a picture on our social media by now, but if not, <laughs> check it out because that's how in sync we are and how excited we are to be back with y'all. We have been off for a few months um, doing some just recuperation and some planning for the podcast. We've got, I think, a great season of episodes coming up for you. And we are changing a little bit with the schedule. Yeah, our plan is uh, we are looking to put out at least one episode a month. There may be one or maybe another one occasionally in and around there. But the best way to stay connected with us is to be sure that you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts or uh, are connected with us on social media because those are the best ways to make sure you don't miss an episode. Yep, our commitment to you is at least once a month, but there certainly may be more than that. So yes, as Jill said, please do subscribe so that whenever we do release a new episode, it will drop into your podcast feed on that Tuesday morning. So Jill, today our topic is a catchphrase that's going around quite a bit that has received quite a bit of attention. Yeah, it definitely has. You may have heard celebrities and other people using the phrase, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, so... 
the question we want to ask and the thing we want to put pick apart for you today is, is it really okay to not be okay? So what do you think of when you hear that phrase, Jill? What's the first thing that kind of comes up for you? Well, one of the things that I appreciate about that phrase is that it brings to light this, the opportunity to to be a little bit more open and a little bit more transparent, to, uh, uh, raises up and um, adds value to being vulnerable, uh, which is not something, particularly here in America, there's a culture of perfectionism, there's a culture of uh, you got to be at your best, your calendar should be full all the time, you're... You know, you, should, you have to be performing at your best. You have to be on all the time. And anything that's less than your best needs to be sort of accommodated or come up for, that you've got to be okay all the time. And so I really appreciate that. Like the person that comes to mind is Michael Phelps, the uh, mm. Olympic swimmer who has gotten involved in some mental health stuff to just come out and say it's okay to not be okay. So I think that there's goodness in that becoming a more public thing and thinking about it. Where my mind gets stuck sometimes, particularly as as an employer, as, as someone who supervises employees, um, I feel weird saying this, but sometimes like stuff has to get done. And of course it's okay to not be okay, but like the bills still have to get paid and, and you know, you still have to go forth and do certain things. So there, there's a tension or maybe a paradox there or something like that that needs some thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate the nuance that you're bringing. And I think that's important for our roadies to keep in mind as we go through this discussion, as most of ours are, that it's a multi-layered and nuanced conversation. And, and please don't take any one phrase or maybe one sentence or idea that we're going to say in this podcast in isolation because everything we say is going to have context. We're not going to proof text. Yes. Oh, my heart. I said proof text first this time. There you go. <laughs> Just like we ask you not to proof text, uh, which means taking scripture or something. You know, you can proof text what we say is not scripture. Please don't hear that. Amen. But you know, taking things people say out of context. Yeah, what I love about this phrase and what I love about celebrities like Michael Phelps and more recently, you know, with Simone Biles in the yeah. Olympics this summer that we've just seen her being as public as she could be. And we'll get maybe a little bit more into that situation. But the phrase that it's okay not to be okay, what I love about that is the the destigmatizing impact of recognizing that everybody struggles. Yeah. That everybody, especially this last year, but you know what? Even before a pandemic, everyone struggles. Yes. And life is hard and that there are times when we're not going to be okay. And mm-hmm. that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you a failure. That doesn't make you um, less than in any way. And so I love that idea. And I love the destigmatizing aspect of that it's okay to seek help when we're not okay. That, you know... Hello, y'all know I'm a counselor. I'm a little bit in favor of sure, <laughs> seeking yes. counseling Preach. or taking medication when you when that's helpful or talking to friends or asking for help or setting boundaries or any of the other things that we've talked about on this episode. So I love that aspect of talking about it more. And I do believe that that has probably been helpful for so many people. 
And where we have to be careful, like with everything else in life, is when something gets taken too far or gets maybe interpreted in a way that becomes not helpful. Right. Because we don't ever want to send the message to people that you want to, that you have to stay stuck in a bad place. Yes. And you may be stuck in a bad place for a very long time before, and that's... That's okay, but I know that doesn't feel okay when you're in it. Right. Well, the, one of the things that comes to mind for me is, it. of course it's okay to not be okay. But in, in thinking from a religious perspective, want to make sure that people understand that not being okay, struggling with mental health issues like depression per se, we can get really muddy and in the weeds in talking about like, did God create depression and did God give me depression or something like that? I like full stop. Let me just say God did not give you depression. That is that is not the God that I worship. But the the thought of like, you're not a bad person if you're not OK. And if you're stuck somewhere, God is with you in that stuck. That doesn't mean that God wants you to stay in that stuck or or that God's people want you to stay in that stuck. It doesn't lessen your value. You are a child of God regardless. And all of us, pandemic and before pandemic and in the before times and the after times, like we are all beloved child, children of God. We're going to struggle. Things are going to go wrong. And there are going to be times when we are not okay. And that doesn't take anything away from the divine image that we bear, the value on our personhood, or the ways that God loves us. You know, it's interesting. One of the things we talk about in counseling training quite a bit is this idea of when the, the paradox of when you accept yourself exactly as you are, that is when you can change. And when we're not accepting ourselves exactly as we are, it's very hard to change. So if we are struggling with depression and we are continuing to deny that we're struggling with depression and we're pushing it aside and just trying to push through, you know, sometimes we might work our way out of that um, or we might luck our way out of that or our situations around us may change, but we're much more likely to be able to have a true lasting internal healing change if we're able to take a minute and say, I'm not okay. I'm not okay right now. And that really stinks. And I'm not sure what to do about it, but I'm not okay. And I think that's what this phrase, the beauty of this phrase can be. Yeah. Is that accepting myself as I am. And as you were just saying, that doesn't make me less of a child of God. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make me less of a, if you don't, if you're not one of the people who believe that, that doesn't make you less of a valuable person. That Mm -hmm. doesn't make you less than in any way. Um, So... I definitely want to normalize that, that it's okay to recognize that you're not okay. Yeah. And hopefully that recognition, sometimes we have to sit with that recognition for a little while, but hopefully then we're able to start to say, okay, what is within my power to do about this? What isn't within my power to do about this? Where do I need to ask for help? Where can I get the help? What do I need to accept is not going to change and then focus on the changes that I can. Yeah, all of your discussion of what you're just saying makes me think of uh, 12-step programs and the use of the serenity prayer. Mm. God, help me to accept the things that I cannot change and 
the power to do the change and the wisdom to know the difference, I think is the, I should, <laughs> I should know the exact That's serenity very close, prayer so. before I toss it out. But that, that, that balance of this is what I have the power to change. This is what I can't change. And the wisdom to know the difference. And you know more about 12 step stuff than I do, but that acceptance is one of the steps. Is not, is it not? Or the first step is accepting that you're powerless. Yeah, there um, it is. And so, so that, if we translate that broader, that just kind of acceptance of what we are dealing with. And so then it's that nuance and it's that walking that fine line. Like we do not want to send any messages that contribute to stigma. And so that's why we want to be really careful and we want wherever you are in this journey um, of struggle in your life, because you've either are struggling or have struggled or will struggle, (laughs) whoever you are will be there. We don't want to send any message of lack of care um and we just also want to provide hope for um not having to stay in that you know i kind of think of it if we use a metaphor of like a pit you know when you find yourself at a bottom of a pit sometimes we just need to lay down at the bottom of that pit and get some rest and recuperate and maybe smell the dirt or pick the flowers or just you know, hope someone lowers some water to us and survive being at the bottom of that pit. And sometimes we need to look around and say, what's my first step out? Or Mm -hmm. what's my rope out? And that we don't want to stay in the bottom of that pit forever. Right. But it's okay if we need to take some time to lay there. You know, I mean, I will just share kind of on a personal note, just that I... I have not been okay for, as many of us have, for many, for a multitude of, of reasons, um, for health issues and for just other stressors going on and health issues for me and for people I love. And I, there's part of me that goes, this is too much. Like, it's just too much. And there's part of me that goes, I need a job. <laughs> I need to show up at work. Sure. And yeah. I and I love my my job. I love my students and they need to be able to be there for them. So it's this balance of giving myself space to not be okay, but also finding a way to function within that. Yeah. And I don't want either of those to take away from the other one because they're both important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the layers of of complication that gets added to this is the world that we live in right now where I know for us we're still isolated fairly frequently because even as we start of started to come out of some of those pandemic restrictions, uh, the, the Delta variant has sort of forced us back into some of those isolations. And so a lot of uh, sort of siloing and isolating of ourselves where some of the connections that we do have are on social media, which is not always mm. a super awesome place to be. And there are groups that are created like for mental health, like everybody share your mental health concerns. And those can be a beautiful thing. And it could be like the most dangerous place ever because you're comparing and there's a tend. I know for me, there's a tendency to be like, well, this person is dying of cancer or I don't get to be upset about this because everybody else is having a harder time than I am, which a healthy amount of self-awareness and what's going on in the world is good. And also our feelings are given to us by God. Our emo- like God was an emotional, is an emotional being. 
we are created in God's image and we have those emotions and we have to deal with them and wrestle them. And so the comparison culture is mm. is hard right now. And there's a need for there to be a balance so that we can we can say it's okay to not be okay. And then there are times when we need to say, suck it up and deal. <laughs> so there's a lot that we need to pull apart there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't want to lose the whole comparison culture that you brought up and the whole, the what aboutisms that are out there. Yeah. What about so-and-so? And you see it on social media all the time. Some will post just with the, the word perspective and then they'll post something horrific happening. Like, you know, you didn't wake up, you know, in a war zone today. Or, mm. it, and I'm very thankful I didn't wake up in a war zone today. Yes. Many people are in really horrific situations and I want to honor those situations and grieve for what they are dealing with. And, and it's one thing to not compare my trauma to mine, which is dishonoring to someone's trauma in a way, but I also don't need to pretend like my life's still okay because I'm not in a war zone right yeah. now. That's that whole, it's okay not to be okay. You know, that it has levels, it has a continuum. And you're, are, when we deny our pain because it's not as much pain as someone on the news or even the person standing next to us, it doesn't make our pain go away. It doesn't lessen the pain that's there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just let me just share with you all a moment that does not shine proud in my life. When I was in college, I was working on a, a house. There was a, a group of people that were flipping a house. And so they had hired some of us college students to sort of help, you know, paint and do some demolition and getting things ready and renovating so that they could flip the house and, and things like that. And so I was one of the older people on the site. And there was a young boy, maybe he was in middle school, maybe he was in high school, the older college boys were like, you know, throwing stuff in the dumpster and doing all sorts of stuff and goofing off. And sweet little middle school boy tries to goof off along with them. And I hear like a crash somewhat in the dumpster. And I'm like not even bothering to look. I'm trying to get the work so I'm done. I'm sure there was lots of crashes happening. Sure. Lots of noise. There's, and boys yeah. making noises. Yeah. So there's like a little crash and... Uh, I hear the, you know, slightly higher pitched voice of this middle school boy from behind me be like, um, Jill, I'm not sure if I'm okay. And without looking, I hollered the phrase, oh, come on, just suck it up and deal. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yes. We're now I in the future. there's going to be more to this story. <laughs> We're in the future and we, <laughs> I am in the future too and can see the unfortunateness of me uttering that phrase because when I turned around and looked at this middle school boy, one of his arms was a whole lot longer than the other one because oh, he had no. just broken his arm. Oh. And so I was immediately horrified that I had just told this poor child who's now like going into shock and sweating because he broke his arm and I had just said, suck it up and deal. So I immediately retracted my suck it up and deal. If you're going to take anything out of context from that, maybe don't say suck it up and deal when somebody needs to be brought to the emergency room. Lesson for the day. <laughs> and I'm quite sure that everyone understood that that you weren't really expecting someone with a broken arm to suck it up and deal. Yes, true story, true story. And I am extremely cautious now. I, you know, when someone says, oh, I don't know if I'm okay, I wait a real long time before I use the <laughs> phrase suck it up and deal. 
You know, I mean, we kind of laugh about that story, but that's actually a great metaphor for we just don't know people's stories. We yeah. just don't always know when someone says I'm not okay or when someone's presenting as not okay or not showing up in their usual way. We just don't know what's happening in people's lives. And because we have been conditioned as a society to hide when we're not functioning well or to hide. I mean, like, I'm even sitting here thinking about that I just shared that I've not been okay and going, should we cut that out? Should we leave it in? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm, and hello, y'all know I'm not okay, even though, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. because we're all not okay right now. But, um, and there's many good reasons why I'm not okay. But we've been conditioned to try to to have feel shame around those things yeah. and to hide those things. And because there are people right around the corner going to say, I'll just suck it up. It's not that big a deal. And to really dismiss what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that there are times when there's a sort of churchy, religious-y way of, you know, to translate suck it up and deal into churchy, religious language we get super unhelpful things. One of the ones that makes me grind my teeth the most is let go and let God. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, friends. Like that just, when when somebody says I'm not okay and you're met with, oh, just let go and let God. Or God, God won't give you anything you can't handle. Like we could have episode after episode on the least helpful things people say when you're going through a rough time. But that is just a... a tendency i think for the the church world the religious world to sort of say oh all of the bad things in an effort to to neaten them up and you know put lipstick on the pig or whatever let's just bundle those all up and just give them to god and not deal with them anymore so i think we're already on the religion road so let yeah let's spend some time there and and go there because you know we've used the phrase spiritual bypass before and we are planning a whole episode with an expert on spiritual bypass coming up very soon but there's also speaks to how so many churches it's say it's not okay not to be okay. Like send this message that you have to be shiny and cleaned up to come in. Yeah. And don't want you, like don't want to deal with somebody who's not being okay mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the stories that comes to mind is a, a congregation that uh, really, really wanted to be in and around people who were struggling and helping the vulnerable and um, had a particular passion for serving homeless people. And a homeless person showed up on their campus and showed signs of some kind of, you know, maybe schizophrenia or multiple personality. Like there there were some mental health issues there. And the presence of those mental health issues really rocked some of the members of that congregation like they they weren't sure how to deal with that and the thought was like well we we want to but we don't and we're not sure how do we figure this out and and the beautiful way that god worked through that is there was a relationship building and a way you know to come alongside people and learn about ways to support the homeless population even the ones that were struggling with mental health issues and so that's that's a good story of a congregation that needed to sort of come to terms with what does that mean and and coming alongside that. But there is this stigma that we've talked about a number of of, uh, episodes before about this tension or this sort of fisting between mental health care and the church, that 
you have to use their brand of mental health. You know, if you're going to see a counselor, you need to go see a Christian counselor. And maybe you need to see one of our Christian counselors. There are, there are you know, big, big, tall steeple churches and, and mega churches that have a counseling pastor who may not have the same level of education as you or the counselors you train in your master's program. That might just be someone who's have has a religious education. And we have a whole episode about the difference between counseling and pastoral care and Christian counselors with quotes around that. If you want to go back and hear us do a deep dive into that concept. Yeah. But yeah, it's so interesting how the stigma remains in churches around both mental health issues, like that you're not allowed to have them and hide them if you have them, feel shame if you have them, and seeking help for them if Mm -hmm. you have them. And and that's true everywhere. It's not just in churches, but isn't but we know churches tend to lag behind destigmatizing a lot of things yeah, in the yeah. end. Not one of the things we as a as a general rule do super well. Right. Well, and before we leave the religion road, I think it's worth raising up that there are mental health issues all over the place in scriptures. There are instances of suicide in scripture. There's instances of depression with um characters or or historical figures like David, Paul. Uh, You can look through books like Lamentations or Ecclesiastes and hear all sorts of a myriad of things just about the the spectrum of what we would call like mental health issues or mental health care. So it's not like there is a lack of reference to mental health issues in scripture. And it's not like there's a lack of Jesus engaging with people who are struggling. Right? In the yeah. Bible. Yeah. It's kind of what his whole ministry was based on. Yes. Was people in the margins and people who were struggling and people who didn't fit. So yeah, I that's again part of our purpose is to try to destigmatize, but would really encourage you as you're listening, Roadies, to just continue if you're involved in local churches, to ask if you're not talking about mental health in your church, why is it not being talked about? Mm-hmm. What kind of stigma remains? What are the expectations? Are people allowed to seek help? Um, if they seek, if they're allowed to seek help, what kind of help are they allowed to seek? Are they only allowed to go see a very narrow definition of a Christian counselor or a pastoral counselor? And if so, why are they threatened by it? that yeah um, well let's talk a little we've we've sort of dabbled in and along the sidewalks of the mental health room so let's get into the let's get in the fast lane <laughs> well and i feel like that's all over this episode because that's literally the topic this right. week is kind right. of the whole is it okay not to be okay which implies is it okay not to always feel super mentally healthy yeah so we've already talked about a lot of things i think um over the mental health road and how you know Perhaps one of the good things to come out of the pandemic is that we are talking about this more. And there is this collective struggle that we can't deny. Mm -hmm. And so it does normalize it a little bit. And when I use the word normalize from a clinical perspective, what that means is just to remind people that this is a perfectly normal thing for the situation that you're dealing with. And that everyone in similar situations would struggle with this and since we're all in the similar situations right now so it has been kind of trendy to to not be okay mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um yeah and that's you know there i think there's so many positives that come out of that and i'm so glad that we're talking about it and so you know as we think about the different ways we can seek help of course 
talking about counseling a lot here. I am for that. I always like to throw in when I in, when I encourage people to seek counseling that not every counselor is right for every client. Yeah. And so to if you've had bad experiences with counselors, to know that there are better fits out there and yeah. to not give up. I'm not the best counselor for everyone out there. Um, but also to know that sometimes what we're dealing with is situational and sometimes what we're dealing with is more of a chemical or biological yeah and so i may have shared this on the podcast before but just how i explain the concepts of depression this is a very oversimplified way of thinking of depression so just know that again there's lots of layers here but um you can't see me on the podcast but i'm holding up both my hands and i've kind of got my fingers spread out and i think of depression kind of coming in almost two different forms and one is situational and one is more chemical or biological. And so when we think of situational, that's exactly what it sounds like. Those situations around us, perhaps um, our job, or perhaps our family situations, or relationships, or our health, or grief, or um, you know financial difficulties, or lots of different things that are just life stuff that is making life difficult for us right now. Some of that we can control, some of that we can't. And that can really contribute to feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling all kinds of mental health issues. Then on my other hand that I'm shaking is where our brain chemistry actually gets impacted. And this is a place I don't think the church does a super good job of understanding that depression can be a very physical thing yeah. and that you cannot, God can do anything. Of course, I want to preface with sure, that. Sure. And Normally speaking, we can't pray our way out of our brain chemistry not working, yeah. no matter how hard we pray around that. So um, I don't think God expects that of yeah. us. I think God has given us doctors and medication and ways to change our brain chemistry. Right. So as I'm holding up both my hands and kind of shaking them with my fingers spread out, it's pretty rare that people have one or the other. Like usually there's some overlap. When our situation is difficult, that can impact our brain chemistry. When our brain chemistry is not functioning properly, that can impact our situation or at least the way we see our situation. So that's why a lot of people don't only go see a counselor, they also may see their regular doctor or a psychiatrist who is a doctor that is specialized in these issues. So um, some people need to take meditation the rest of their life. Some people only need to take it to remind their brain chemistry how it's supposed to work. Right. There's a whole continuum of that as well. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I recall a theologian saying, I'm 99% sure is Glennon Doyle. But she, one of the ways she was trying to sort of bring out this concept of depression and vulnerability and, and it being okay to not be okay, she talked about how when, uh, when people come to her and say, well, what are you depressed about? She counters back and says, well, what are you diabetes about? <laughs> to just sort of like draw attention to the fact that there are times when the chemicals in our brain make it so that we're not okay. And that's not something like exactly like you just said that we can pray out of or or um you know have enough faith to make to make better that that's something where God has given us these gifts of science and doctors and people around us to really help with with that kind of situation. So that's a really helpful um I I wish that you all could see it. Maybe we'll like Come up with a diagram or something like that so you could see all of Paula's helpful 
hand motions that she makes during the podcast. When I put the hands together and over interlock my fingers is what I was doing is usually they. So I, you know, I describe a counselor should wear more with the situational piece, helping you maybe change your situation or think about your situation a little different way. There's other things out there that can help. So next category, we want to talk about our who's driving. So what are these power and control issues here? Yeah. Well, so it's interesting when we're putting this outline together, normally when we look at sort of who's driving, who's who's got the power, who's in control, that's sort of something that we're looking at with, through the lens of, you know, power needs to be given up or, or this is something that we're skeptical of. And for this particular episode... Or, if I might interrupt yeah, please that, go or for it. it also comes from ways that people have used the power of the sacred yes. to maintain control and manipulate yes. people with that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I think in this particular episode, when I'm thinking about who's driving and who's got power and control, that it's a really good thing to remind people that they can empower themselves. Uh, One of my favorite things to include in liturgy in our worship services is praying for the Holy Spirit to empower us, that that we are an empowered people, we are an empowered creation of God, and and claiming that for ourselves, that we we have the Holy Spirit and and the love of God, and that gives us power to tackle certain things. And my belief system says I have the Holy Spirit, as much as you, my pastor, does. Yes. So that's really important. Yeah. And I I think it's also, you know, when I think, when I first started conceptualizing this topic, and especially this category, I was kind of like, okay, who who is using stigma? Like, what do they have to gain from maintaining stigma around depression or mental illness as a whole? And I keep coming back to, like, pastors or people in charge who want to who maybe have this idea that if someone goes and sees a counselor they might start thinking for themselves Mm. and that might help them to start questioning things a little bit you know we've talked about that there the religious systems that have high levels of rigidity and authoritarianism and do not allow questions are the ones that are tend to be the breeding grounds for abusive practices. Yeah, and I think that that could be a place where this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so watch out for that. Any, you know, I, I shared a story early on about a pastor who had told a friend of mine, "You are not to talk to anyone about your relationship other than me," um, because that pastor was providing marital counseling, and how that was like screaming red flags galore but that was very much a control issue yeah and so so i think that's one place where people might be trying to maintain power and control so it's also just interesting to think about other places of power but what we've seen this summer like how empowering was it to see simone biles make a choice to take care of herself yeah i mean i that was a really powerful experience for me. It, it is. It, it felt great to see someone who had the spotlight just on her make a choice that really lifted up and really started quite a storm of, of a good storm of of support and conversation and people asking, you know, is you know how is her how is her personal choice affecting her how is it affecting her teammates how is it in the world like 
And just one of the the tweets that I saw that she put out that said that like all of the support she got when she stepped back reminded her that she is more than what she has accomplished through her sport and and how validating that was for her. And that's the, when I think about power and control and empowering, the, the word that keeps coming back into my mind is validating. Like it is validating to know that other people are going through difficult times, that you are not the only one and to feel validated in not being okay. And that, that it was validating to watch someone make a choice that might have, she didn't know, I don't think, what was gonna happen to her sponsorships, to her livelihood, to things like that when she made that choice, but she made the best choice available to her at the time to say, for my mental health, and like, let's not throw out, for her physical health as well. Absolutely. To step back and say, I need to prioritize myself and my own care. Yeah, I, there's so many good points in there, Jill. You know, the the mental health impacting our physical health and those being so connected. Just, I think we should do a whole episode on that down the road. But yeah. just please, roadies, pay attention to that. Our brains and bodies are so intertwined, so so intertwined. And but watching her, you know, I felt I felt so proud of her and for being so brave. And to make a really unpopular decision and to not feel the pressure to push her body because of other people's expectations. And I think what we can learn from that is we all deal with that. We all deal with the weight of expectations, whether that's coming from our family or our job or our friends or our church or our pastor or ourselves or those voices that maybe are not physically in our lives anymore, but we still hear them and we're carrying that weight of those expectations. And I think that's something that we can all learn from Simone and what she did is that, you know, that doesn't mean that when we commit to things and when people have expectations of it, that that doesn't matter. But when we recognize this is not the place, like I need to set a boundary here Mm -hmm. that you're allowed to set a boundary Mm -hmm. and that you're allowed to step away from things and figure out what you're capable of and what you need to say no to. And I found that so inspiring. Yeah. Very, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been, there's, it's just started a wave of of people feeling empowered to tell their stories, whether it's other athletes coming out and saying, I, you know, now I feel like I have permission or I feel validated that I can someday make this choice, or or people who are in a profession or a situation that might not have anything to do with athletic, where people just say it's I, making a choice for me. And and you know, to to jump back to religious thinking. We often miss love your neighbor as yourself, that the implication is that we also have love for ourselves and care for ourselves. And yeah. and it might not be scriptural, but you can't pour from an empty vessel. You can't give when there's nothing left to give. And so there does need to be some care taken for yourself. Yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful for the example that was set and the, com- the, the conversation that has come from that, because I think it's helpful. 
you know that phrase love your neighbor as you love yourself i just often will use the phrase like would you ever treat anyone else the way you're treating yourself yeah and like that's that's what that means are you loving other people the way you love yourself and are you loving yourself the way you love other people yeah and sometimes that might that goes both ways with whether what? that's a good thing or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So I keep thinking about the people who called Simone selfish mm. or felt like that she was thinking about herself more than her team or more than her country or any of those things. And there's such, you know, I, I, we talk a lot about community on this podcast and what it means to live in community and be in community with each other. And we have to really examine our definitions of selfish and why is it selfish for a woman to make a choice to step away from something that is not healthy for her Mm -hmm. and what does it say about us and our selfishness that we say no that potential gold medal is more important than you possibly losing your life which actually was a potential with her but at least not being okay we go back to the okay like how selfish were we right and so part of being in community is yes the commitments we make to each other but also how do we care for each other when those commitments maybe don't make sense anymore yeah or we can't live up to them and also how does the community come together to to change the narrative or things like that does how does the community come together and and say like we want you to take care of yourself and 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 validate the act of having boundaries and validate the act of saying no to things and taking a step back. You know, I'm just going to toss this out there and we can just let it fly. But, uh, you know, what implications were are, are there because we're talking about Simone Biles is someone who identifies as female. And I wonder what conversations would have been like and how the conversation might have been different if it were a male athlete. Or a white male, even athlete. even a white woman, or a white woman. Yes, yep. you know, yeah, yeah. All of those layers of intersectionality definitely fed into the people I believe who were critical of her, yeah, and the expectations around her and the sacrifices she should make, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a bigger conversation, but really important questions, yeah. to be asking for yeah. sure. So let's hit some roadblocks. We we talked a little bit about spiritual bypass, which sidebar, I'm super excited for our episode on spiritual bypass up, and yeah. talking with our expert. I think that's going to be really helpful. And for our roadies who might be newer with us, so our roadblock section are just those places where we really feel like church or religion or pastors or those things are really getting in the way. Yeah. Causing problems, maybe the more overt um, harm that we are seeing in religious systems. Yes. And yeah, I think you're right that we've already touched on a lot of these, but just to be really clarified with that, yeah, anytime your pastor or a spiritual authority or someone is using scripture or spirituality to say, just do anything, be careful, just pray, just get over it, just suck it up and deal. (laughs) (laughs) Suck it up and deal, let go and let God. Um, And there's value to those things. Like there's certainly value when I realize that I am mentally holding on to something for me to say, I got, I got to let God take care of this. 
there's it's not that there's not value to that but this oversimplification of just let go and let god like you can snap your fingers and let that happen right you know that's to me is a spiritual practice of letting go and letting god and something you do or spiritual discipline something you do regularly it's not a oh i just let go and let god and everything's fine now you know my family's healthy all my health needs are gone all my work stress is gone you know everything's great that's not yeah how god tells us it works really right one of my big roadblocks is anytime something is reduced to a bumper sticker or a road (laughs) sign like the oversimplifying is is definitely a, a roadblock for me and as we mentioned above, the the ways in which the stigma overtakes the problem. So we can't talk about the problem, so we just have to ignore it. Or we can't talk about the problem, and so we have to deal with it on our own in, in this closeted dark space where you're not allowed to, you know, talk to anybody other than the one person who's supposed to be giving you counseling. Like, bring it out in the open. Shed some light on it. Get some fresh air in there. You know, we say this a lot, but... I just want to continue to remind our roadies, if you were a Christian and depressed, that doesn't make you a bad Christian. Preach. That doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. That doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love you. That doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. Can't say that enough. It just, yes. Yep. So other places, you know, of roadblocks that we discussed is, you know, perhaps religious systems that prevent you from help-seeking behaviors, that prevent you from um, trying to get help for any mental health issues that you might have that try to use spirituality to control you, all of that stuff. Um, So be on the lookout for that. So you already did a little bit of road rage. Anything else you want to rage about? Yeah. Well, anytime, uh, this could be a road rage segment in every single episode we do. Anytime someone is using God or religion for something other than love is you're, you're doing it wrong. And I, I have no qualms about saying you're doing it wrong. Like, I am convinced if you are using God to hurt someone, if you are using religion to limit someone, to hurt someone, to cause further damage, you are doing it wrong. You're just doing it wrong. Whenever you're trying to make God work for you Mm. rather than you work for God, that's just always worth questioning. Whenever I'm trying to push something or convince someone or really believe I'm right, that's a good gut check question for me. Yeah. Like, am I trying to make God work for me or am I trying to work for God? Yeah. Um, what about you, road rage? So mine's a little weird. Mine's not necessarily religion related, although it might be. But as we as we think about this, again, this phrase, it's okay not to be okay. I'm very glad, again, that we have encouraged people to accept themselves as they are and to seek help when they need to. And as a counselor, as someone who has spent more than 20 years in this profession, as someone who was licensed and spends a lot of money to maintain my license and to educate myself on a regular basis and keep up my continuing ed credits and all kinds of stuff, I, I'm starting to see the way that corporate America and the greed around lots of different things can really take advantage of anything. They really can just come in and see a space and see a way to monetize (laughs) all of this. And I don't know what the best answer is, but my main rage is directed towards I'm seeing a lot of online counseling platforms. I'm not going to name any specifically, but I hear a lot of them on almost every podcast that I listen to being promoted. And I love the accessibility of these platforms. I love 
that is part of the destigmatization of seek help and hear help is and help is available for you and we are making it easy to access and that's awesome. And then when I as a counselor get in and really look at them to see the way that so many of these online counseling platforms are becoming counseling sweatshops and are really trying to starting to devalue my profession and the things they're asking of counselors. And what I found out about so many of these really popular online counseling platforms that you will find is that they expect counselors to work for very little pay, which I wish counseling could be free for everybody. I wish that mm-hmm. I wish that we had a better healthcare system that didn't make that a problem. And I also want my profession to be valued for what it does. And I yes. don't want it to be watered down from a monetary standpoint or from any other standpoint. But the thing that y'all may not know as clients of these, the expectations for counselors who are providing services on so many of these platforms is that they have to respond to client questions within like daily basis within like it's all of these rules that really just tear down a lot of the boundaries that I encourage counselors to set and to you know not make clients dependent on you there's almost this opposite effect helping by demanding that counselors are accessible to clients in these platforms but there's also the ethics around them and the way that what they do with information and the lack of confidentiality Mm -hmm. in the fine print when you read them all and what's happening with this information there's just a lot of ethical problems that i think people are not aware of that got really ragey sorry but but i am fired up about this and i think it's helpful and important for people to just go into the process of seeking help with as much information as they can and and we're not the experts on online counseling platforms, but just having a wealth of information is never a bad thing to go into those things. Yes, yeah, just be informed. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some U-turns, which is the section where we talk about what we'd like to see happening instead. So instead of where we're going, what we'd like to turn around. Yeah. That word validate keeps coming back to me in terms of validating where people are, giving people permission to be where they are. Uh, another word that comes to mind to me is empowerment. Ta- be empowering yourself, uh, feeling like you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to take power over your situation, whether that's take power and seek some help for yourself, take power and allow yourself to be at the bottom of the pit for a little while. I mean, you know, em- empowering. I think that validation and empowering are two important things that we can sort of turn that's, that's where we want to be headed, in that direction. Two of my favorite words. You know, mine are really obvious, but I often say to my counseling students and my counseling supervisees that it, there's rarely anything too obvious you can say to a client. So I just want to remind us all just to talk about it. Just to, you know, if you want to use the phrase, it's okay not to be okay. Or to talk about if you're struggling. And to talk about, the things you're doing to help yourself not struggle. Like I just remember how meaningful it was to me as a counselor who had been a counselor for many years to hear one of my professors in my doctoral program just casually mention their counselor, that that something that had their counselor had said to them in their counseling program. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like, so I'm going to counseling and this is what I learned. It was just a casual drop it and it was like oh my gosh even this person who I have so much respect for and who is teaching 
doctoral students in counseling has a counselor and it made it more okay that I was also going to counseling. And so just to casually mention that you're going to counseling and the things that you're learning from, that just huge impact and just cannot be overstated. Just talking about it in daily life and normalizing it, making it, making us recognize this as a normal thing. You know, Jesus did that. There, the, the story that I love, that I love pulling out is that Jesus said, I'm tired. Mm. We have recorded in scripture, Jesus saying, I am tired, or I'm going off by myself to pray. Like Jesus, Jesus, for all the introverts out there who love the fact <laughs> that Jesus had some introvert tendencies in there, Jesus got in the boat and went away and took care of himself. And that's a good, mo- like Jesus talked about it. Jesus acted on it. And you know what? I bet there were some people who were disappointed when Jesus did it. Right. And Jesus did it anyway. Preach. So Preach. <laughs> And I also just in our systems in big ways and small ways, just any ways we can continue encouraging authenticity at church. You know, I've mentioned before, but I always just one of the things I love about our church is that we're really willing to be authentic and vulnerable with Mm -hmm. each other, or at least many people are. And that, you know, when we have prayer requests, yes, there will be prayer requests for medical issues. And then there's prayer requests for Families struggling with mental illness or with addiction or just with some life relationship thing that's happening. And that's that's to me what it means to be in a community, that you can have a place that feels safe to share those struggles and to know that that's not going to be used against you or manipulated or judged. You're not going to be judged for it, those kind of things. I guess another U-turn for me goes towards social media of of using social media and and maybe even i would expand it to technology using technology going into an online counseling platform with wide open eyes and an open mind and and a cautious mind of okay what are we doing and what are we looking at and going into to the comparing game and the at least game and the you know lessening game and looking at those with what can I take from this that is helpful and validating and empowering and authentic? And what do we need to say? This is not helpful. It's not helpful. I'm going to climb a step up out of the pit and leave this stuff in the pit. Another phrase for that might be dropping the rope. Like when do you just need to whatever tug of war you're in, when is it worth it to just drop that rope and to just let it go? And sometimes that is a better way to win than to pull someone over to your side. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I want to pull on that rope really hard, but Preach sometimes it, it's better just to drop it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So our billboards are places where we see what we're talking about happening out in the world, you know, where we see maybe in pop culture or on the news or current events or things like that. And we've already mentioned a lot of these, you know, it's interesting that the two are athletes yeah. that we've mentioned so far with yeah. and, and Olympic athletes mm-hmm. that are, have a lot of scrutiny on them for a short amount of time and then go away for four years and train and train and train right. and then have a lot of scrutiny for a, but I, I am very appreciative for what Simone Biles and what Michael Phelps have done to just, Give us space to have this conversation. Yes. To really provide some, a place for us to overlay it and talk about it in ways that maybe is a step towards vulnerability without having to talk necessarily about ourselves, but to talk about Simone Biles. There's a flip side to that that can be, you know, when you talk about Simone Biles, there can be comfort in 
hearing how other people are struggling and knowing that she is struggling. And we may also see the way some people react that tells us, oh, this isn't a safe person. They can't handle Simone Biles. They definitely can't handle my struggles. Mm-hmm. And that can I, that can be heartbreaking to realize the people in our lives are that way, but it can also be good information to have. There are aspects of different sitcoms and shows that have been brought out that that highlight um, mental health care. Um, one of my favorites is the TV show Mom. I love that show. So TV show Mom <laughs> stars Allison Janney, which I'm, let me, I just need to get out that if A Allison, side road here happening, folks. Allison Janney, if she is is like might be one of my favorite humans on the face of the planet. I think that we're destined to be best friends. If I were to ever learn that Alice and Janie were listening to our podcast, I would lose my mind. Because so roadies, if you have any ends with <laughs> Alice and Janie, send her at least this clip because there is so much overlap in Jill's life. Don't y'all have a dog named the same? Oh, one of your dogs is named after her. Yes. So we have a dog named Claudia Jean which is named after the character that Alice and Janney played on the television show, The West Wing. Alice and Janney, you also have a dog named Dutch. I also have a dog named Dutch. Like there's just all this weight into reasons why you would be one of our best friends. But one of the things that I love about Alice and Janney is the work that she puts into this television show, Mom, we're veering back onto the highway here, in that this television show raises up the concept of addiction and recovery and 12-step programs and really brings some beautiful conversations because sometimes it's easier to talk about what's happening on a television show than what's happening in your life. Yeah. There are other great, great forms of pop culture. There are um, there are bad movies that will uh, bring out was it What About Bob that we talked about in episodes? Oh, That's don't like a, get me started. I will rant on the lack of boundaries in that movie like if you there, get me started on there, it. <laughs> there are bad billboards in there too, but there's a lot of pop culture that does help bring out this idea of, of destigmatizing seeking help for mental health care yeah. issues. And um, Mom is one that I would recommend to everybody. Yeah, and that's where, you know, pop culture can be so important and so impactful in our society and it it does it it slices both ways that pop culture can contribute to the stigma or it can help with the destigmatizing so we do have to be careful about that portrayal and be discerning about whether it's accurate or even just necessary but yeah there are some other great places that have just really helped the conversation you know one of my favorite movies is a movie called perks of being a wallflower mm-hmm. it was a book first and as an english major i'm very sorry to admit i did not read the book but the movie is just adorable it has a great example of someone struggling and can show how you can struggle and then find your people who can handle your struggle mm-hmm. and then you can maybe go away and struggle some more but still come back and that not define you, that be a part of you, but not all of you. It just, it's a, it's a really just beautiful movie for me in a lot of ways. Um, and we're, there's, there's tons. We could go on forever. But, yeah. and we'd love to hear from you, roadies, about movies that you think have done good jobs destigmatizing and movies that have maybe contributed to it a little bit. Yeah. 
I guess one other billboard that we sort of have had a fun time with recently is looking at social media, particularly in Instagram, in the ways that we have come across it. So there's an account on Instagram, we'll put this in the show notes, called The Depression Project. And I really appreciate the things that they are putting out there where it'll say, this is how to talk with someone who has been impacted by suicide or This is what it sounds like when someone is having a panic attack. So there's there's a way to say, oh, now when I see someone like sitting down against a wall with their head in between their knees, these are helpful things I can say. And these are ways that I might be able to support someone and just really appreciate what they're putting out into the into the world. So in the process of wanting to share this account with you on Instagram, we were sitting together with one another and I opened up my Instagram and just typed depression into the search tag. And this filter came up that said, can we help? We've hidden posts for hashtag depression to protect our community from content that may encourage behavior that can cause harm or even lead to death. And then there were two options. You could hit a button that said get support and it would lead you to hotlines and numbers and things like that. Or there was one that said see results. That's really cool. Like talk about destigmatizing something and allowing, you know, a sign for help. That that was really exciting to me to see that. Yeah. And to be proactive with providing resources for help. Yeah. And that being there. And I, you know, I had a similar thing happen to me. Y'all are going to have a Paula Bachelor moment here for a moment. (laughs) But if you don't know, I have a very stressful life sometimes. And one of the ways that I deal with the stress is to watch reality TV and just have fluffy fun in my life. The Bachelor has not been fluffy fun lately, unfortunately. So I'm rethinking that a little bit. But there's also a Reddit page that talks about The Bachelor quite a bit. Reddit is, if you're not familiar with it, a huge social media platform that has different subreddits or different pages where you can post and interact with other people on a pretty much any topic in the world you can find on reddit so there was one particular episode of the bachelor where i felt like one of the contestants was exhibiting extremely unhealthy and toxic behavior and there was a lot of discussion about it on the reddit board and i had posted something about just being so upset by what i was watching and concerned about it. And I don't identify myself as a counselor on this board or anything like that. I just participate as a fan. But I got a message from Reddit where apparently someone else, another Reddit user, had reported, and I don't mean that in a bad way, had just kind of asked for a check-in for me, had expressed some concern. Like about flagged the, your post? Yeah, yeah. Like had just, and, and not everyone saw it. It just, it went to probably an auto automated thing that just sent me a message saying someone's concerned about you here are some resources for you in case you need them that's amazing and it was i i i felt so cared for by this anonymous (laughs) so so social media can be so evil in so many ways and it can be so beautiful in so many ways and so that is a very beautiful thing that that people that's there yeah so Let's continue to try to find ways to use it for beauty and for really connecting and checking with each other instead of bringing each other down and tearing each other down. Definitely. Definitely. So So let's put it in park, Jill. Yeah. So is it really okay to not be okay? Yes. 
It is really okay to not be okay. You are created by God. You are loved by God. You bear God's divine image. And that is something that never changes. That that doesn't change on your circumstances. That doesn't change with your brain chemistry. That doesn't change whether you're at the bottom of the pit or at the top of the mountain or anywhere in between. And God made you and loves you and and created a community for you to be a part of. And there, your people are out there. And I, I, my prayer for you as we put things in park is that you feel validated, that you feel empowered, that you feel like you've been given permission to be authentic and be yourself and know that we're on a journey and we're on that journey together and God is on that journey with you. Yes. I would agree with all of that and answer that question the same way that is it okay not to be okay? Yes, it is. It's normal. We're all not okay in some way and we're especially not all okay these days. And that I, I'm really, I mean, I'm realizing that my profession is kind of having a moment where people are starting to recognize the need for it and recognize how asking for help can actually help you get help. Yeah. You know, that there are ways that we don't have to do this alone and that, that, but we have to be able to say, I'm not okay. And what do I need to do to not be alone in this? Um, so to answer that question, honestly, can be a beautiful step towards finding support around that and to moving forward. Absolutely. So. Yeah. As always, roadies, we want to invite you to interact with us. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's your own feelings about the phrase, it's okay to not be okay, if you've got billboards to share or just any anything that you want to share, there are tons of ways that you can interact with us. We've got social media pages. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Sacred Intersections Podcast. I think Twitter is at Sacred Pod. I believe so. We've got a website, sacredintersectionspodcast.com, an email address sacredintersectionspodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we love to hear from our roadies. So please let us know if you have thoughts or just feedback or anything that you want to share for us. We'd love it if you would leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We'd love it if you'd share this episode if it's been meaningful to you with someone else. And we're just really glad you've been with us for this time together. So safe travels through all your sacred intersections throughout the week. Woohoo!